En JCPenney sabemos que nos extrañas y nosotros te extrañamos aún más. ¿Pero qué pasa si te decimos que tenemos una tienda abierta todo el día, todos los días? ¡La tenemos! En JCP.com o en el app de JCPenney. ¿Quieres un traje de baño? ¡Lo tenemos! ¿Algo para estrenar este verano? ¡También! ¿Marcas exclusivas y tus marcas nacionales favoritas? ¡También! Visita nuestra página para los más recientes cupones y aprovecha envío estándar gratis en compras de $49 dólares o más. JCPenney. Aplican exclusiones. Detalles en la tienda o JCP.com. Welcome, thank you for joining us today. You're listening to Society Bites Radio, and I'm your host, Dr. Richard Himmer. And I'm Sherry Himmer, and this is Authentically You. <laughs> Social interaction for the mind and soul. Sorry. It's always good to have you prepared. Yeah. So for the next 25 minutes, we talk about healing and growth from the inside out. Remember, you are 100% responsible for your happiness, joy, and well-being. We've got papers everywhere, and yeah. Sherry couldn't find her paper. I'm okay. swimming in papers. So we want to pick up where we left off last time. The question initially was um, from a client where she reads, sooner or later you realize that no one cares, so why on earth would I waste my time with people who don't care, who I don't care about, uh, and who don't care about me? Here's something just to keep in mind. When you say I don't care about others because they don't care about me, I'm going to suggest that if you care about you, you care about others. So put it to me. I care about me, so I care about others because I'm hardwired to connect. And if I don't connect, it hurts. And if it hurts, I'm going to medicate. And one of the ways an introvert, for example, like me medicates is I isolate. Sometimes, well, isolation in effect is a drugging uh, mm -hmm. activity. So using the metaphor that we did last time with repentance, the willingness to be found or the acceptance to be found, Would you just summarize that real quick, and then we're going to continue going on this idea of coming into the light and why do we come into light. So based upon the story I told of, what's the summary of repentance? How does that work? Um, it's the idea of that you're invited to be found and not be told that you're wrong, and that as you get closer to that light, you're going to see the things more clearly more defined, that you do want to change through your God, through working that out. And that connection, um, for those of you of a Christian faith, you can't connect with God till you connect with yourself. And here's how, here's where I, I come up with this, and I've read this for so many years. So this comes from John Calvin. Nearly all wisdom we possess, that is to say, true and sound wisdom, consists in two parts— the knowledge of God and of ourselves. When the ancient philosopher Thales of Meletus was asked the most difficult thing to know, he answered, thyself. Socrates said the same, know thyself. Lao Tzu, knowing others is intelligence. Knowing yourself is true wisdom. I don't know how to even say this word. Katha? Katha Upanasha. Okay. Those who know and realize the self are free forever. Fascinating. If you know yourself, you're free. But look at the bondage you put yourself in when your shadows dictate your behavior and you're unwilling to even look at your shadows. 
you're not willing to be found. You're not willing to even do the work because you're constantly hiding from, out of fear, those shadows. Pythagoras, know thyself and you will know the universe and God. I think his order, his sequence is paramount. And then Carl Jung, the person who looks outside dreams. The person who looks inside awakens. You care about others. You connect with others because you care first about you. If we truly are hardwired to connect, and, and I've said this so many times, about a year and a half ago, I decided to go and do research on that again. Just to remind myself, why am I saying this so often? Yeah, yeah. It, it was so abundant. It was, it's not refutable. I have never seen anyone right now, at least that I researched lately, who argues the fact that we're hardwired to connect. Without exception, every person that's come in my office, the root problem of their frustration, their their anxiety, and it's simple in the in the millennials, I don't have any friends. Um, I don't, I want more friends, but I don't know how. I want to get married or I want to have a significant a other. I want to have relationships. And then the ones they have that they tell me about, they're all maladaptive. Their friend is as messed up as they are, but they commiserate together, which isn't helpful because that means they're both venting with each other. So what we want to do is go back. How do we then bridge that? How do we get ourselves from that point moving forward to where we're willing to be found? And what does it mean to be found? So the law of reciprocity becomes a really cool process to follow. If I want to connect with others, I need to learn how to connect with them so they feel like someone cares. Um, going back to our conversation when I was explaining to Lee that nobody really cares, and she just looked at me. I can, I can again hear her. She goes, so what you're telling me, Richard, is nobody gives a damn about me? I said, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> the only way they do is if you they know you care about them. There's the law of reciprocity. So if you actually reach out to others, and this is why it's so fascinating with the Awareness Journal, people start realizing no one's asking them questions because for the first time in their lives, they've been following rules of engagement for behavior. No unsolicited criticism, no unsolicited judging, sarcasm, sarcasm and relating. And so people will oftentimes go, and what do you talk about? What do you say? That's all I know how to do because that's all I've been taught. <laughs> and that's where they start realizing, wow, nobody's asking me questions here. Nobody cares about me. No, they care about you. But they're so focused on themselves because they're in a lot of pain. Reach out to them. Invest. You have to invest a little bit of trust, a little bit of vulnerability in order to get a return on said investment. You have to spend money to make money, as the saying goes. You have to trust to be trusted. So what you're going to trust is in your own ability to reach out and be present, to be neutral, to care about someone else, to listen to what they have to say. Give them that 15 minutes of, of um, service that I think is the greatest service you can give mankind. 15 minutes of uninterrupted, neutral time will return droves. It will return so much to you if you understand how to do it. Okay, so let's finish the, <clears throat> let's finish that model. Um, in order to finish the model, we have to explain those people who are not willing to be found. So by definition, repentance, come into the light, come into the truth. Well, what does truth mean? So we have to define 
a few things. So we are first discuss what does it mean to have an underground truth. So if my wife's going to go ahead and read the definition of three truths, starting with official truth. Okay. So when we talk about truths, there's the official truth, and that's the truth that is for public consumption, the truth you discuss with anybody. So um, we're happy uh, when we show up in social events, all the kids are well-behaved. They're dressed accordingly. Every No hair is out of place. That's the answer you give when people say, so how are you guys doing? We're oh, we're great. Yeah, we're yeah. great. Yeah. It's okay. what you want people to know because you really don't want them to know. Right. Okay. okay, the second is the ground truth. This is for private consumption. It's the truth only you and your inner circle knows. So I once worked with a client who told me the story of her house. She said when people come to visit, they, they walk in and the room, the house was designed in such a way that you could close certain doors and they only saw the living room, the kitchen and the dining room. They saw nothing else. Once you pass through the threshold of one of those doors, disaster. <clears throat> as long as you stayed in that area where everyone was well behaved, you never questioned mom and dad. You actually were not permitted to be heard. And I'm still dealing with clients who are in their 60s and 70s who are suffering from that arena or that era of children were to be seen, not heard, because they don't know how to find their own voice, okay? So we've got official truth. Got the ground truth. Ground truth. And then there's the underground truth. That's unconsumed truth. This is the truth you ignore, avoid, or don't see, or maybe have never seen. It is the essence of reality, and it's the place where you begin change. So underground truth <clears throat> is your shadow many times. In it's other words, stored often in your subconscious, always in the subconscious, not just off because that's where it is. Yeah. A shadow is I don't have worth. Um, let me let me go back a step. This happens oftentimes when I deal with people who, who are familiar with organized religion. In organized religion, we're so heavily focused on the sin. That we don't. We don't even talk about the shadow. We want to know that you don't do X. So um, pornography would be an example. Yeah, it's just the behavior. So um, they'll isolate the men and they'll talk to the men and say, hey, look at you guys. You shouldn't be doing pornography. If you do, you're treating your wife wrong. And the women are isolated and say, you guys are wonderful. You're, um, you know, you're the greatest things. And if your husbands do this, this is wrong. So you're really clarifying that there's a difference between the action of sin and a shadow. Correct. I'm arguing that the sin itself is simply a manifestation of the shadow and not the big deal. It's the symptomatic. And from a Christian standpoint, the atonement of Christ covers the sin, right? So we, we got that addressed. What we want to know is what is your shadow? You cannot change sin by talking about sin. You can't change behavior by talking about behavior. No one's going to heal by letting them vent or loop. That's just another manifestation of an addiction, of a shadow. The only way we change is to change the narrative we have about ourselves. And the only way to change the narrative is to change experiences that create the narrative. So when we hyper-focus on the sin, and parents, same way, when you hyper-focus on the sin, you miss the shadow. You want to be able to address the shadow. So when we gave the little metaphor that you want to come close to the light so you can see your shadow, only then, when you know yourself, the closer you get, the closer you get to yourself, or I'm sorry, the close, the better you know yourself, the closer you can get to God. Well, the same is true. The closer you get to God, the more you know yourself. 
which is the way I prefer it, because if I feel like I'm getting close to God, that means I am more aware of my problems, my shadows, if you will, my false narratives, my weaknesses. But from the standpoint of that, they're not in fog, you're not in denial, and you're ready to see them and work on them. Exactly. So a it's, number of it's, segments. That's why ago. a lot of people avoid God or avoid the light because they're not ready to work on the shadows. Well, when they don't know themselves, this is very interesting to watch. People who have a crisis of faith who start not believing in God, this is my take on it. It's because they have shadows they're not willing to work on and they don't know themselves. They need now something to blame. It can't be them. It, they can't be the one with the problem. It's so easy to find a fault in a religion. I don't care what religion you belong to. Anybody could come in and pick you apart. They could even use the scriptures to pick you apart, depending on their definition. I could walk into any organization and pick it apart, tell you what's wrong with it. Based upon my immaculate perception, I could go as far as use emotional reasoning to pick anyone apart because it's true to me. I'm not interested in your intent. But what you did was wrong because I felt it was wrong. Mm -hmm. That's the world we live in right now. And people who manifest that type of mindset that I don't care what your intent was. I only care how I felt about what you said. That's a shadow in full, full bloom. Everyone can see that shadow, but you're the only one who can't because you're hiding from that light. You're not willing to be found. An over focus on the symptoms of the shadow is the rigidity that pushes people away from finding health and happiness. Okay, my number one observation, and someone in this, is of the five competencies of emotional intelligence, the unconscious incompetent. Um, I've renamed it. I've called it the broken paradox. So you've got two aspects of it. You've got the engineer mindset and the emotional unicorn. <laughs> <laughs> So if you'd be good enough to start the process with the, the engineer, I'll cover the emotional unicorn. So, um, yeah, just start. Yeah, there. <clears throat> there are these two categories within the unconsciously incompetent, the engineer mindset, and two, the drama queen. The engineers are stuck in their heads, and the drama queens are bogged down in their pain bodies. This is neither a male or female dominant process as both genders share in this challenge. So just because we use the queen or most people think engineers are men, that's not true. That is actually right. Those stuck in their heads hide behind their intelligence, their IQ, facts, and positional power. They look down upon people whose emotions are or even manifest emotions. They believe that life is best navigated through logic and reason only. Unconsciously incompetence are often figuratively isolated in a room of people. They are socially challenged, low in empathy, and frustrated with their inability to connect. They are not aware that their perception of superiority does not foster or deepen relationships. The underground truth is that unconsciously incompetence are driven by emotions, predominantly fear that they are often that they are offended, even angered, that this idea is promulgated in their direction. They point the finger of blame to others because others do not align with their immaculate perception. I'm going to read the definition. Immaculate perception is one's belief bias based on experiential blindness. Now notice the three the levels here. The bottom level, everything sits on experiences. You foster beliefs 
shadows, false narratives, based on those experiences, and your behavior comes out of those beliefs. So an immaculate perception is a belief bias based on those experiences. It is fueled and deepened by a confirmation bias, and it has predictionary and illusionary beliefs. Okay, that's what immaculate perception means. Okay. So their immaculate perception of logic and reason, despite the fact that they fail to follow logic and reason. So they project on others that they should be logically logical right. and reasonable, and they're not. That's called a projection or yeah. what we call a split mirror. Being outwardly calm and using rhetoric to make one's point does not constitute logic and reason necessarily. What passes as logic and reason can also be fear and an unconscious hiding behind their arguments. Okay, so that's what the engineer mindset yeah. is. All right. Okay. Drama queens. Actually, Sherry, my throat hurts. You go ahead. Drama queens use emotional reasoning to justify their maladaptive behavior. They adopt an us versus them approach to Which the is world. one of the myths, right? Yeah. We talked about that. That the world's out to get you. And perceive that people are fragile, especially themselves and those whom they perceive they have stewardship, the children, spouse, family, their social circle. They are stuck in their pain body and often play the role of the victim as a means to escalate their emotions, which me, is their medication. Let me go to that real yeah. quick. We, we have this false narrative in our society that pain is bad, and it's not. Pain is exactly what we need to happen. Suffering isn't bad, uh, is bad. We don't want suffering. But, and I, I define suffering yeah, differently. Yeah, let's, so. let's define suffering because there are people who are in chronic pain, right. chronic conditions, and in a sense that is, by definition, suffering. Yeah, I'm not arguing that. I'm suggesting suffering is self-induced when you don't understand that pain is okay. We can address, for the most part, we can address the little pains, the bumps and the bruises that come on. Even anxiety and depression can be addressed. It's pain. But when we deepen it, we get stuck in that pain or what we call the pain body. We induce and we build our own suffering. That's the suffering I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, it's more victimized suffering versus there are people that are in situations where there is no end to the pain. That is correct. Um, okay. The, the switch. The switch to persecute a role is seamless and pre-planned. They set up interpersonal drama subconsciously and soar high above the fray until exactly the right moment and then swoop in to rescue or persecute. They do not see how the play they, they play. play a role in any existing problems and are quick to point the blaming finger with self-righteous smugness. Disdain, stonewalling, contempt, defensiveness, and constant criticism are manifesting behaviors associated with drama queen. Good. All right. So what I've got here is you got two kinds of people who are not willing to be found. Neither of them see that they have the problem. I see this manifestations constantly. And so when things go wrong in a relationship or in life, because they're hiding behind a wall that blocks the light, they can't see their own shadows. And why I say it's a, a faith crisis isn't, it's an identity crisis. When life seems hopeless and helpless, it's an identity crisis. When you can't seem to get out of bed in the morning or you, you can't go to the store because of anxiety, you don't want to go to church, you don't want to go to a social event because it's anxiety, you're taking your introvertedness and you're using it as a crutch and you're hiding behind it. 
In second half of life, I got to find that real quick. In second half of life, it is incumbent upon us. Here it is. It is incumbent upon us to understand. We need to to move away from what we're what the hiding behind the um the the shadow or the wall. The protocol of going to second half of life means we're going to move from one imbalanced but positive trait. Being an introvert isn't negative. It's how I regenerate. Mm -hmm. But if I hide behind it, it becomes imbalanced, and I've abandoned the extrovert trait. So really you're describing things that could be unique to a person, person, the things that um, are part of your individual makeup. But if you hide behind them, and really – what I'm really defining here is the polarization is denial of anything right? and using even any trait, good or bad, as a way to go in denial versus being found, being yes. open-minded to what's next for me in life. So when we, we talked about this earlier, this protocol that I walk people through, this personal growth protocol, it's an invitation into the light mm-hmm. to escape the shadows. Um, if, if your way of being is to be busy, for example, this is what I grew mm-hmm. up with. My grandma and mm-hmm. my mom were always busy checking Cover up off all lists. the thumbs, yeah. yeah. And um, it's, they're productive. They get a lot done. <laughs> well, y- yes and no. And I'd argue that they get a lot done because they check off their list. Right. What I'm saying, it's it, it could be a positive trait, but it's a trait they used to hide behind. Yes. <laughs> they're busy, but they're not effective in building relationships in life. <laughs> so if your way of, of, of being is to be busy – always doing something and feeling accomplished because you can check off a dozen boxes in a day. Mm-hmm. In second half of life, that means you learn to ponder and to think as a balance to your doing. Yeah. Notice the move is from one imbalanced but positive trait being busy yeah. to the discarded, forgotten trait of pondering. It's the part of thinking. you that hasn't been found yet. That's it. The imbalanced trait is from your first half of life, and the discarded trait is your second half of life balancing. So why would I want to talk to them? Well, if you're an introvert, you don't because that's what you're hiding behind. That's your shadow. Yeah. Why do you want to talk to them now? Oh, because that allows me to balance my life. (laughs) This is from Richard Rohr. Doers become thinkers. So – And this is, again, I I go back to my scouting days. We were always doing service projects, right? And I followed the protocol. We're always looking for something the boys can do physically. Chop wood, build a fence, tear uh, something down, right? Spread beauty bark. Spread beauty bark. Pick up Christmas trees. Move people. Build trails. Do, 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 do. Mm -hmm. Great. But it's not balanced. Doers become thinkers. Feelers become doers. Thinkers become feelers. Ah, so beautiful. And, and I mean, Richard Rohr poses this idea in this model of first and second half of life. It's not like shaming, like, oh, I've been wrong all along. It's about this, this bridge to that your whole life is balanced over a span. Yeah. You had to develop some things in that first half. You have to experience certain things that first half. And then don't forget that there is a second half. Don't think that that's the, the, the sum, right. the, the end sum. There's more to get to 
and more to expand to. You're not done with yourself because the whole point is that we all have a shadow in a different form. Bringing it to the light helps you to change that shadow. Well said. He continues, extroverts become introverts. Now I'm just going to reverse that. Introverts become extroverts. How am I going to ever balance my life if I don't learn how to be in a group of people? If I'm always avoiding people, I don't connect in the most pr profitable, deepest way. Yeah. That's, that's where we're going. Okay, so he continues. Visionaries become practical, and the practical ones long for vision. We all go toward the very places we avoided. The secret to successfully applying the system is the way we think about it. So focus on what you can control, but not on the result. This is a sports psychologist. Dr. Deborah Graham explains it's important to judge the process, not the outcome. We immediately want people thinking, we immediately want people wanting to connect with us, right? We want them to reach out right. to us. That is a results focus. Um, I want to it's, connect with my wife. Results. Focus on you. Develop. I, go ahead. Can I rename the result focus? It what? really is an expectation. It is. Expectation yeah. is nothing about that. I want this or I expect this. Um, yeah. And it creates the frustration. In order to structure a second half of life, you base it on principles. You have to create the identity. Your new narrative is being able to move into the light finding out what your shadows are, being very aware of them, and moving, and at li literally just laying the shadows down, burying them, dumping them off the bridge, putting them on the altar, however you want to frame that. You can't lay a shadow down. You can't get rid of a false narrative, your natural man, until you know it. And when you know it and you know your true self, your authentic self, then the true self, the authentic self, can bury the false self. Because that's energy you don't need to hide behind, to be depressed, to be full of anxiety. You're telling yourself stories that aren't true based upon expectations that can never be met. Put yourself into a position like the sacred hour where you're building small little habits a little bit at a time to create this habitat, this environment on which to go. So let's finish up with James Clear. New goals don't deliver new results new lifestyles do. A lifestyle is not an outcome. It is a process. For this reason, all of your energy should go into building better habits, not chasing better results. Summary then, Sherry. These have been pretty intense ones. Yeah. I think my biggest takeaway today is we all have a shadow side. Get it closer to that light and then keep turning. Keep changing. Keep that process of wanting to be found. And each time you make a turn, which is the definition of repentance, it's turning the direction. Each time you do that, you're bringing that shadow into the light and you're gonna get more balance. You're gonna get that light more all around you. That's beautiful. So that's living a perfect life. Perfect is an experience or an event that's exactly what you need, which created your shadow, created the false narrative, because perfect is a mistake that gets a retake. That's the manifestation of the shadow. When you do a retake, you then address the shadow and you start moving it out of you because the more you accept the fact that you have a shadow, the easier it is for you to address it. It's okay to make mistakes. That's not what we're worried about. 
because that's not the symptoms aren't going to help us. If we understand who we are, our true identity, only then can we find happiness, joy, and well-being. Thank you very much for listening. We look forward to talking to you again. Introducing the Her Journey Around the World started in our overflowing bathroom sink policy from American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote. Find an agent. Visit AmFam.com for homeowners policy information. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, SI, and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. <gasps> Mommy, look at my boat. It's sailing. Introducing the Her Journey Around the World started in our overflowing bathroom sink policy from American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote. Find an agent. Visit AmFam.com for homeowners policy information. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, SI, and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.